He is Mr. Monday here on the other side of Texas, Scott Braddock, editor of the Quorum Report. How are you doing, Scott? Very well, Jay Leeson. How are you? Braddock on Texas. I love it. So Braddock on Texas. Tell me, what is, I'm hearing more and more about the granny tax. Tell, oh, us, yeah. what, tell us what that means, granny tax. Well, interesting. I uh, love the music you're playing there. Corpus Christi Bay. Uh, I'm also going to mention Houston, which was uh, mentioned in that song as well. These are some of the places that I have been over the past two and a half weeks or so. In addition to those cities, I was in Galveston, San Antonio, Dallas-Fort Worth, up in Amarillo, Wichita Falls, and even a little place called Atlanta, Texas, which I'm going to be honest, I had not heard of. But uh, it, it is where uh, one of these races is happening. My truck is putting uh, uh, putting a lot of miles on the truck. Did you did you make it to Hale Center? uh, I was not in Hale Center. Okay, Um, I can't make it to all. But let me do that one on the next trip. But the other thing I'm going to say about all the miles I'm putting on my truck is that in my passenger seat I have a stack of mailers. I'll send you all the pictures. The the attack mail pieces from your favorite group and my favorite group, the Pro Voucher Group, Empower Texans. Um, and, you know, a lot of the attacks that they are, you know, lobbying against Republican uh, candidates are just silly, stupid, and you kind of roll your eyes and you, you, you move on, right? A lot of it's just noise. A lot of it's ridiculous. But one of the things that I've seen get a lot of attention and start to get a lot of traction is this idea that Republicans, and we're talking conservative lawmakers, that conservatives like Fort Price, Ken King, et cetera, that some of those folks voted to create a granny tax. So I was trying to remember, what was this all about? And, and you know, it, it's always um, some issue that may not really even be on your radar all that much, and then it comes up in a campaign, and you go, oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, well, look, some people are angry about this. In fact, I've heard from some candidates and some block walkers for candidates who have had doors slammed in their faces over this, elderly Texans who were saying, you know, you voted to create a granny tax. Get out of here. I mean, they're angry. But, th- th- you know, even though the anger is real, the granny tax is not real. Let, so, me, let me tell people what yeah, this was about. It, yeah, it, so there was a bill um, that was uh, proposed by J.D. Sheffield, who is a doctor uh, from Gatesville, Texas, um, and Sheffield, also a Republican. Um, what he wanted to do was create a fund that would be set up by uh, basically a lot of the nursing homes around the state, if they chose to participate, would be able to put money into a pool, and then that would uh, create a matching fund so that about $850 million of our tax dollars from the federal government would come back down to Texas so that we could use it for high-quality care for some of the most vulnerable Texans. We're talking about people who have uh, Alzheimer's uh, and other diseases, so when they become, uh, you know, uh, senior citizens, and there's a lot of these folks, I mean, you know, they're suffering in these nursing homes, a lot of them, especially those who are the Medicaid patients, because they just don't have anything else. I mean, you know, it's... At the end of the day, nobody wants to end up that way. Um, but, but you know, being able to provide some extra care for them would be a good thing. And the bill that Sheffield had proposed did not create any sort of a new tax. It just said that those uh, nursing homes would pool their money to create this uh, mechanism to draw down uh, what is almost $900 million uh, for these folks to offer them a little bit more help. And, and the bill even went a little bit further, Jay. It said that there could not be a granny tax. The bill expressly prohibited setting up a fee uh, by these nursing homes. It said that the nursing homes, if they set up a fee for people uh, in the nursing homes, that they would be sanctioned for doing so. So it prohibited a granny tax. The truth is the exact opposite 
of what people are seeing on these Empower Texans mailers. But if people have seen these mailers, they know what I'm talking about. One of them uh, is a letter that says, uh, and this was in Ken King's district, for example, called it Ken King's Most Despicable Vote, that he voted to permit nursing homes to assess a new fee for each bed in their facility so that the state could draw down federal funds and in turn give those funds back to the nursing home operators really really twisting the facts and you know as i said you know you look at some of these things and you think uh just silly nonsense but this one has been gaining some traction so it was time to set the record straight in my Hmm. opinion well scott braddock here with us on other side of texas let's uh shift gears right quick news today uh that the Texas the governor fighting hard against Sarah Davis down the Houston mm-hmm. way, yep. and uh, state house representative, uh, but then the House GOP caucus endorsed Sarah Davis today, right? Well, sort of. This is a really interesting thing where the chairman of the caucus may be trying to have it both ways. Let's let's tell people what happened. Um, Abbott is getting ready to have a rally tomorrow in Houston and another rally in Galveston the next day. Uh, The one in Houston is for the opponent of Sarah Davis, who you mentioned. The one in Galveston is for the opponent of Representative Wayne Faircloth, uh, who the governor is supporting the uh, opponents of both of these people. Um, And on the eve of these rallies, the Texas House Republican Caucus issued statements of support for both Davis and Faircloth. I don't know if we can go as far as to say it's an endorsement, um, the caucus was putting out statements of support for lots of the Republican members. And you might think, Jay, you and I might look at that and think, well, it's kind of just sort of a benign thing for them to do, right? I mean, they're just saying nice things about people who are their colleagues, who are their Republican colleagues, the people in the same party. Well, the um, top political consultant for Governor Abbott, a guy by the name of Dave Carney, New Hampshire resident, Carney... Uh, just exploded on social media this afternoon about this, and he hauled off and called the Republican caucus a bunch of Democrats. (laughs) Let me uh, read for you what he said. He said, quote, Wow, TX Democrats endorsing Sarah Davis for re-election. This ought to help in the primary. Early voting starts Tuesday. Then for some reason, he apologized to the Texas House Democratic Caucus, saying that he must have had, quote, a brain freeze. (laughs) He said, quote, Apologies to the TX House Democrats. Now, there's one other interesting bank shot about this, Jay, which is that members of the Freedom Caucus, including one of your favorites and one of my favorites as well, Jonathan Stickland, Republican from Bedford, um, took exception to the fact that his fellow Republicans were saying nice things about Wayne Faircloth. Uh, He said, quote, Wayne cannot be counted on. As a member of the Texas House Republican Caucus, I reject this statement. Wayne and his liberal record have to go. And then you had uh, Briscoe Kane who's a Republican from Baytown down in the Houston area also in Harris County, uh, who suggested that, look, and this is, this is going to be important to remember for, uh, for the future, he said that the Republican caucus members ought to be able to decide for themselves who to support, who to support for an elected office. Uh, he said, no, we don't want to see Sarah Davis back. Uh, it was mentioned on Quorum Report this afternoon that that stance would be in direct contradiction uh, to what they want, which is a united caucus whenever it's time to choose the next speaker. Hmm. Scott Braddock, editor of the Quorum Report, at Scott Braddock on Twitter, where you can go follow him, get all the news of Quorum Report. Uh, last thing I want to get into here is, you know, we've talked about mailers. Um, Scott, it, it's not enough that Empower Texans, you don't know where a lot of the money comes from, but now... Uh, so we aren't going to disclose that, but now candidates who receive money uh, 
uh, from them are not reporting it or not disclosing it? How does that work? Is is this going to get into some legal problems? Well, trying to figure out if this is a mistake or if this is something that was done intentionally. These campaigns have not uh, commented on this, but we had, uh, let's see, one, two, three, uh, at least four candidates who are being supported. I'm sorry, five candidates who are being supported by Empower Texans who underreported their uh, contributions they got from the PAC. Now, let's keep in mind, Empower Texans and everything they do, when they say they're trying to shed light and give people more information, everything that they do and everything about the way they're set up is deliberately confusing. They run a political action committee, which does disclose donors and its contributions. They also run a 501c4, which does not disclose its donors, and a 501c3, which does not disclose its donors. But all three of those things are under the same name. They're all called Empower Texans. So, you, I mean, use your West Texas judgment. seems a little um, shady, right? So when you look at these candidates, for example, uh, Drew Brassfield, who's running against uh, Fort Price, he received uh, $10,000 from the PAC, and we know that because my reporter, James Russell, who's in Dallas-Fort Worth, was looking through the reports, pouring through the campaign finance documents, and he could see that from the Political Action Committee of Empower Texans, they had given Brassfield 10000 but on Brassfield's report, he only reported raising 2000 from them. Uh, Brian Slayton, another example, uh, he's running against pensions chairman Dan Flynn. He got 25000 but for some reason, he only reported 11000 Armin Mazzani, who's running against Giovanni Capriglione in Tarrant County in uh, the South Lake area, he got, listen to this number, he got 75000 from Empower Texans, according to the Empower Texans report, but on his report... He only reported 3,000. So there are definitely some questions here. Hmm. So just coordinated across the board, it seems like. It Well, it. some people could make that conclusion. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, and one, one thing that's going to be interesting to watch is, uh, of course, the next round of uh, campaign finance disclosure, uh, disclosures will come. Those reports will come uh, on the eight-day report, eight days before the election. And we'll see if uh, some of these things uh, have shaken out and have been corrected. Okay, so what else do we need to look forward to here, Scott, is early voting is about to kick off. Well, you're going to want to look at the turnout in um, the uh, Democratic and Republican primaries. Of course, you have seen uh, all the chatter about whether or not Democrats are really excited to turn out and vote this year. Um, I remain skeptical. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about whether or not there's going to be a Democratic wave in this state. When we start to see whether people are actually turning out, in these Texas House races, and especially in the congressional races in places like Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, where you've seen a ton of candidates, uh, yeah, I think in the uh, race to replace Lamar Smith, for example, in the San Antonio area, there are 18 Republicans running for that. Uh, there's a whole passel of Democrats running as well. Uh, same thing is true over in Houston, uh, where John Culberson is up for re-election, a Republican congressman there. Uh, Pete Sessions has a bunch of Democrats running against him. If people really turn out in those Democratic primaries, we might see the actual evidence that there might be some sort of a Democratic wave coming. So far, all we've really seen is sort of the symptoms of voter enthusiasm, but and not the real enthusiasm. One, one, one of those symptoms, though, for every cycle it seems like, well, if the teachers show up, well, if the teachers show up, it looks to me... And I'm not willing to say all the way they are going to show up. They're certainly they're certainly showing signs of showing up. 
they're getting excited. You see a lot of the uh, activity on social media, but as we know, um, you know the, uh, click, the clicktivism, which some people have called it, <laughs> uh, you know it, that that only goes so far. You actually have to show up and vote, and uh, we'll start to see the real, you know, the proof in the pudding when uh, when these turnout numbers start to come in. Which you know, one of the interesting things is uh, we don't get the election results, of course, until election day, but we can start to see how many people are actually lining up at the polls starting tomorrow. Hmm. He is Scott Braddock, at Scott Braddock on Twitter. Thanks as always, Scott. Good rundown. The pleasure is all mine, sir. Talk soon. All right. There he is, Braddock on Texas.